I'm Erica. I'm Max. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Erica, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Um, I'm Erica, I'm an ecologist, and I want to plug uh, the Bugzooka, which is my <laughs> favorite bug-catching tool that I've like purchased in the past few years. So I have um, several bug catching tools, uh -huh. um, but I have four specifically that are aimed at catching flies, and the bugzooka is like one of the two best. So in the desert, you go through like booms and busts of like little insect invasions, and uh -huh. you can get big flies and little flies and flies that come out of the sink and blah, blah, blah. It's just like a facet of my life now. So we have like sticky traps on the windows and we have a tennis racket that has uh, that's electrified uh, that's pretty effective but you have to corner the fly and they usually like make it through the the shock kill and then we have this like little uh, thing that's great for mosquitoes which are a kind of fly which is like um it's an ultraviolet light with a fan that blows down onto a sticky trap that like that's very very good for mosquitoes but not other kinds of flies but the bugzooka is like um it's like an anti-gun it's a little vacuum chamber that you squish closed and then you press a button and it goes Poof! Like, like it's sucking the fly through this tube and it like catches it in a chamber with a mesh back and like a flap on the front. And so you can safely remove the chamber. And we have used it for a pollinator study where we catch the, where we catch the pollinators and we like then um, carefully like pin them and like make them into specimens. And we also use it at home. And it's this like delightful hunting tool that you can use in your own home. Um, so every time I get it out, I cry havoc and let's slip the bugs of war <laughs> i was gonna ask is is catch a euphemism here no uh, yeah like you, no, you no catch no. the flies on the fly paper and, right, then, and right. then they die well the the flies on the fly paper die but the catching with the bugzooka uh is like totally harmless and like you can just look at them and release them if they're bees or something right at some point, I wanted to do this as a topic, like and call it like egads, bugzooks, but I don't know if it's like a whole topic. It's just uh, it's just my favorite fly catching device that uh, that I've I've come to know over time. <laughs> I remember seeing an ad. And I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name of this device, but I remember seeing an ad for a, like an extremely gendered sniper rifle. It was like a <laughs> uh, this this brightly pink colored sniper uh -huh. rifle that shoots salt. I've just found Ooh. this because that's what I thought Erica was talking oh, about you for found a moment. This. Do you remember, what's the uh, name of it? I'm posting it to the Discord now. The Bug Assault. That sounds yeah, but uh, it's the got the assault pun in there. Yeah, yeah. The website is beautiful because there's an animated fly and they turn your cursor into a crosshair. <laughs> I, I don't want that. <laughs> uh, they're currently having a Mama's Day sale. On the pink one that you mentioned. Right. Uh, and it's called Passion Assassin 3.0. Yes. Holy moly. Passion Assassin Bug Assault is the, the phrase I was, I, I didn't even, I didn't even think to want it, to want to remember it, but I definitely want to remember it now. And I did. This website is horrifying. <laughs> I need to get away from this website because this 
this of this fly. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to click the fly because I I want to know. You don't have to. You just just put it over the fly and then go away. I'm just gonna just dis- I'm gonna destroy my monitor trying to get rid of this fly. <laughs> so so this is also like terrible because uh it shoots salt into stuff so you could like you could blind somebody with this it's like actually a gun the bug zooka is is a little vacuum it's a non-powered vacuum gun yeah so right yeah it's just like like it's so non-destructive and like everybody wants to use it like every time we go out in the field with it kids come by can i use the bug zooka like the birders will come by and be like, "What are you doing?" Uh, I'll show them the bugzuka. Can we try the bugzuka? <laughs> Can we catch a bird? <laughs> they want to. They want to like press the the you know the the vacuum chamber, and then they want to press the button and, and get that like sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder how the I wonder what sound the passion assassin makes. I can have David come in and like bring the bugzuka so we can get the noise like onto the onto the podcast. Would that yes, be good? that would okay, be amazing. Wait. Actually, I'm just gonna go get it. Get, um, vamp for a second. <laughs> okay, yeah. I I'm just gonna comment more on the bug assault website. Yeah, go ahead. Um, do you see right under the passion assassin? Oh, I I closed this out of self defense. No, so I don't see it. Uh, there's two promo pictures, which I feel like. They really showcase the problems with this device, uh-huh. which is uh, one is sort of a, a middle-aged dad of the type that would buy this thing. And uh, he's got two dogs. Right. And it's like, yeah, what about your pets? And they're both blind. One of the dogs does look, its eyes look a bit worse for wear. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's, go- what's going on here? It also advertises it as gift for dads, turns grown men into little kids again. Right. Yep. I'm, I'm back. I just saw uh, an ad for uh, for the Ze- Breath of the Wild sequel that was basically turned grown men into little kids again. Anything can do that. Right. So the the bugzuka just to just to um, jam this conversation into a place that doesn't belong was not in the place I left it because it was in active use by my husband. But, <sighs> uh, here is the noise. Okay. Here's me loading the vacuum chamber. With the satisfying click. And then it goes, do you hear that? Yeah. Let me try it again. It's good. Yeah, I like the spring <laughs> sound, like both the, the the tension and the release spring sounds. Yeah, yeah. It's a, That's really it's a masterpiece of design. What did I, I interrupt? Oh, we were talking about how the promotional pictures on uh, the Bug Assault website show <laughs> the, um, the, the problems that you have if you buy this product, one of which is that this dog appears to be blind. Oh no. Yeah, this guy this guy who's holding the bug or the bug assault is like a balding man who looks like uh Jeffrey Epstein who's like in his underpants, like crawling along the floor. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> on the about page, do you see this? He looks No, like I did not look Epstein. at the about page. Yeah. That's uh it's, wow. it's not pleasant. <laughs> I I don't know that I would use the same description, but the cross on the wall with the the like uh, I don't know which uh like denomination this is, <laughs> but like where it has the like full Jesus hanging full from the Jesus cross. Full Jesus hanging from the cross, yeah. Yeah. The composition here looks like like if you told me this was a screenshot from uh from like um Leon the Professional, I uh-huh. would maybe believe it. <laughs> 
Oh my god. This website, have you clicked on Fly Facts? No. <sighs> Try... <laughs> Uh, Professor Fly presents Fly Facts. <laughs> it's, a, it's a full-grown adult-ass fly in a lab coat and like a a mortar board. <laughs> can you uh, describe? Can you judge the the accuracy of this fly? Um, I'm I'm not sure what's going on here because it's got like two sections of the eyes, but um, I'm gonna say like the hairs are pretty spot on and the the fact that the um, feet have like little grippy bits are pretty good, but he's missing some limbs probably in a horrible lab accident. My beef is that the grippy bits I think go the other way on flies. Because I think they're like gripping inward, you know? Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, the whole point of me trying to catch and dispose of these flies is so that I don't have to look at them. <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember seeing a, a an ad for a product much like the Bug Zuka, if not if, if not the same product, in like Hamaker Schlemmer. Uh huh. A big a big part of the um of the ad was like how long the handle is, uh -huh. and the the with the image was this this smiling woman like reaching this, you know, bug, bug grabbing device towards an extremely indistinct black blob on the wall. <laughs> it was clearly like they went into Photoshop and was like, no, blur the bug out more, blur it more. This is for people who don't want to look at bugs. <laughs> <laughs> or for people who do want to look at bugs. It is a, a useful research tool. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so has Max introduced themselves yet? Or have we been No, just we're talking still about talking about this and I'm not done. <laughs> Max, Max, you can wait. Yeah. I wanted to talk about how it's it's like a I don't know how true this is, but I've heard from multiple sources that women make better snipers, like they're naturally mm. better at aiming and shooting. Mm -hmm. And so this pink passion assassin actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, like, they also make a, uh, a a laser sight for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the accessories. Oh, there's a bug cam. What's this? Oh, this is for people who, people who do want to look at bugs. There's also like a revolver-shaped one. It's got a CO2 cartridge, so you don't have to pump it. <laughs> and it's like compatible <laughs> with the uh, the laser sight. If it doesn't have six CO2 cartridges. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> oh, they, sell, they sell a Mr. Pinch keychain that like opens bottle caps. This might be something that I need for my keychain. <laughs> Good. All right. All right. Max, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Hi, I'm Max. I'm uh, the fly in a lab coat uh, on this website. <laughs> who am I? Uh, I? I'm a person who runs around Seattle uh, doing various things. I agree. I think that's an accurate description of Max. <laughs> are, we, uh, are we ready to start on some topics? <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, Max, your topic is zines and jam games, stuff that's understood to be breakable. Yeah. I was thinking about this a while ago in terms of if you're going to sell a game, a lot of the time is trying to make sure that there's not bugs in the game by using the salt gun to shoot your game. <laughs> right. Yes. Max said it so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, I've made a career of not getting bugs out of my games. Yeah. 
but I think like it's so much easier if you if you don't. And I was realizing as I was at a a zine festival, and for those who don't know, a zine is like a um, self published book, but even more in the sense of like you're making the book yourself. Uh, so oftentimes it's only like one photocopied page that's folded up and stapled together or folded in such a way that it has like four or five pages to it. Right. And it comes from a few different like kind of cultures, but oftentimes it's like kind of grunge and punk cultures where you just like have your like photocopied leaflet about your band or about your political cause, but also like little mini comics that people make. And people at a, at a festival or like, Sometimes at coffee shops, they'll have like different artist zines and things. And people pay like five to $30 for these little self-made books. And oftentimes they're just like photocopy paper and they're not well-made. They're not made to last. And that's part of the culture of the thing is that you're just kind of, there's only a few copies of this thing uh, and it's your duty to keep it safe if you want to or just read it and pass it on to someone else or get rid of it. And I think there is some of that culture in video games. And it's it's interesting the way that it, it like it very much suits making games because computers keep we we keep making them not compatible with all the games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I really am into zine culture like as a as a way to connect with people like as a uh, this has come up repeatedly on the show, the idea of like how I've kind of been shifting away from the idea of all the art that I do away from trying to do like make a, make a living doing it and towards just connecting with people by doing it. it I feel like zines slot really neatly into that. Yeah, like the absolutely. I- the idea of like jam games as a form of like, yeah, here's a thing I made. Just check it out. Cause we're friends or, because you want to try, you know, you're you're just interested in experiencing this this interesting idea that's not particularly polished. Yeah, I think it also helps get past a thing that you've talked about before, Jim. Because we have access to the best, most well produced musicians in the world, right? And like we can see any of the art in the world, we judge ourselves and sometimes our friends on that scale, and because zines are um, much less polished as a framework, I think it like sneaks past that a bit to the brain where I feel like you're able to just like, at least for me, I feel like I can see someone's art in this way just because it's like, Oh, this is just drawn and it's in my hands and it it feels less comparative to everything else. When I was doing visual art, we had like a, a, kind of a comparable thing where we would have like a model in front of us um, and um, we would do five second sketches, 10 second sketches, 30 second sketches, one minute sketches, and then one five minute sketch and one 10 minute sketch. But we would do like a bunch of, a bunch of five second sketches that were little on one page. Then you can get a little bit bigger for the 10 second ones. Um, The 30 second ones actually like look, like the thing that you're drawing to some extent rather than just the, the lines and the shape, but there's no, um, it's almost like a zine is like a, a practice run up to making something more polished. And like the game jam is like, how do you sketch an idea in the computer medium? 
Yeah, yeah. I have definitely framed it that way before where like specifically game jams are a way to practice finishing a game because like finishing a game is a skill like it's it's its own skill like separate from the other skills involved in making a game and it's hard to practice because like people's instinct is to like they want to make a game like the ones they've seen and the ones they they see and care about and play are ones that took years to make and if you only have one chance to do this every few years it's hard to practice that skill and i i still think that's true but it's also kind of antithetical. The idea of, of this as a doing a, a bigger version of it or a more polished version of it is kind of antithetical to the zine idea of like, no, this is actually just a, this is just how I live. I just make jam games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I, I think I also am trying to like internalize that. And maybe at some point I will make bigger things. But uh, I think thinking of it as practice has been like, of limited use to me recently and thinking mm-hmm. of it more in the zine terms of like, it is, I mean, it is a good brain hack. If you're like me, you're stuck in the, like, I need to be productive mindset. Yeah. Like that's, that's this podcast is, is that trick is like that. It's a, <laughs> me coming up with a pretext to talk to my friends. Right. <laughs> right. Right. One thing that I wanted to like pop in that came up, like while I was already thinking about this is there's this, um, zine of games that comes out i think every month it's called indie apocalypse which i think is a so-so name but they're on uh issue 40 uh and people apply to have their their games uh in it and uh it's like even uh profit distribution and it's like 15 dollars on itch.io oh i wonder how well it sells uh, yeah, I was curious about that too. But it's a very interesting, diverse mix. And I think it seems like a particular person named Pizza Pranks uh, does the like curation of it. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see that in terms of like, it's a wide variety, but you can you can maybe see a particular person's taste. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is awesome. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm browsing through these. There's like 40 of them. And they're fifteen dollars each, and I don't want to spend that much money, but I'll, you know, maybe I'll start buying these. Yeah, it's monthly. Yeah, they're it's a really fun variety just to look at and maybe pick pick some up. Yeah, I love anthologies. Yeah, yeah, this is this is really neat. I'm just looking. I'm just right now. I'm just clicking through screenshots. At first, I wasn't even sure that these were games. I thought this was just like, I thought it was a zine zine. Except that some of them, are, some of these are animated. I've definitely seen like I don't know. You've seen uh, Natalie Lawhead's Electric Zine Maker. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's a tool you can use to make zines, which is, and it's got a lot of really like it's got a lot of Photoshop style tools that push you sort of certain toward a certain aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of these screenshots are in that aesthetic. So that's that was kind of why I was thinking that these were all. This is just like. This is like a print zine you're getting a PDF of or something. Uh, but no, these are all playable games, apparently. Are any of them um, about Professor Fly presenting Fly Facts? Because well, we got to like, make it. We got to yeah. make it so. <laughs> could be a, yeah. a gap that we need to fill there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the three of us. Let's make a, a brief game. I'm, I'm down. That sounds great. I would like that. Let's hope we don't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll find out what ac- what kind of academic Professor Fly really is. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Erica, did we decide that we were doing birding in the pandemic? Is that the... Yeah, we were going to oh. do that one Okay, today. let's do that topic. So, for most people, I would say, like, the idea that the pandem- the COVID-19 pandemic is still got- going on is over, at least here. There's there's nobody who masks anymore. Yeah, I was at the DMV recently, and they were like, maybe like 1% of the people there were, were masked. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there wasn't like a hard boundary to this. And like the statistics still say that there is an ongoing pandemic, just that yep. people aren't really paying attention to it. I mean, it's really just like, I think people just got sick of, sick of the pandemic. And so they just stopped acting like there was one. Right, right. But also Omicron passed. Um, and like, um, that was like the last wave that I think people had like patience for. <laughs> right. Um, so we're not, we're not really in that, uh, the, the peak of that wave anymore. Um, but like we, we really lived through something special. And like I, uh, every person I meet, um, talks about if you get to know them just like a little bit, they'll tell you like what happened to them during the pandemic. And, um, my husband and I actually kind of miss it because we got to be home from work and we were living in Tucson, which is like one of the birdiest places in the United States. You know, we couldn't go in and we couldn't see people, but we could go hiking and we could go birding and we made our own food and we were together and we were with our cat. And there was something like really special about that, like aside from the fear and the uncertainty and um, the kind of tragedies that were happening around us, there were some uh, positive things about kind of slowing down and being away from this kind of mishmash of things that we have to do as academics, like conference travel and teaching and um, being in person for meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. Um, And so one of the, one of the things that we say to each other that reminds us of that time is like, talk Irby to me. (laughs) (laughs) What that, what that means is like, um, it's kind of taken on this uh, meaning of nostalgia for that period. Because one of the things that we did was we, um, we went out and tried to see all of the rare species that showed up in Tucson. And one of them was a, um, I think it was the rufous-backed robin um, that had shown up. Uh, people had seen it for a couple of days, and it was just sitting on a riverbank uh, that was kind of like a hike away from um, one of these big, uh, uh, what is that called? Uh, like a, a Spanish mission. Um, so it was like, you go to the Spanish mission and like walk through their gardens and all the way down this river, and it was just sitting there. And we ended up um, meeting this person who uh, eventually, after playing the name game for a while, we found out that he's Irby Levet, and he's like a very famous uh, bird systematist from Cornell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we didn't know him before this, but we uh, became like texting buddies with him briefly. And uh, he had basically like, skipped out of New York altogether to come to the birdiest place in the United States. And we 
we just kind of like made this connection with somebody who does this very like rarefied form of science that we really respect and that we would never really otherwise have an opportunity to to speak to because we don't have like enough in common with him to to really strike up a conversation or or send him an email out of the blue or something like that mm-hmm. um and and then like everywhere we went in Tucson we just met people basically from all over the country. They're usually Canadians, but the borders were closed, so we didn't see any Canadians. But we we ran into people who had like abandoned wherever they were from and were taking like road trips across the country to see birds. We met a a young woman who was birding with her mother and they were like doing a big year together, which is like trying to see as many bird species as possible in one year. They were like both really into it and they were kind of like learning the birds on the way. So we, you know, from from like at least six feet apart, we like yelled to them like the coordinates of like where they could see different kinds of poor wills in <laughs> Tucson and like where they were most common and stuff. Um, I want to start yelling coordinates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there were tons of people like that. There are, there was a guy who was, like, um, driving from, I think it was New Mexico, and he was doing, like, a whole tour of the hey, West Winston. to see birds. Is that Winston? <laughs> yeah, we got Winston here. Hey, hey Winston. Winston. Do you want to be on the show? Do you want to do you want to talk about, you want to talk about a topic? Winston, what's your favorite bird? Hey, Winston, what's your favorite bird? Squirtle. I don't know. Did that come across? Did he, what did you hear you what say? He, here, say Some it again. Some kind of J? Into this, yes, say it again into the microphone. Scrub Jay. Scrub Jay? That's a great one. They're yeah, so we, smart. Yeah, there's, I, I'm going to put the headphones on Winston so he can hear what you're saying. <laughs> Scrub Jay. Yeah. Scrub Jays are great. Did your mom teach you how to, how to look at Scrub Jays? You gotta talk into the mic, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like about them? I don't know. Do you like the way they look or the way they sound? The way they look. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, they're really smart. They're really interesting birds. Yeah. Do you know that they have families? Yes. And some and when when one of the birds gets injured, they all come and look at the bird and try and help the bird. It's true. <laughs> what do you what do you think about ravens? Yes, I know something about ravens. What do ravens eat? Are you asking me, buddy? I'm not sure. Mostly uh, prob- I see them eat trash. <laughs> we have another guest on the podcast. Hello, April. Hi. So I, I, I would guess they would eat like bugs and seeds. Mommy, I want you to go on the phone now. Okay, I I don't think I'm gonna go on the phone right now, but I will say hi. Let's go read some hey, books, April. everybody. You want to read the Underwear Dragon? Okay. Good night, Winston. Night, night, buddy. It's a good kid you got there. I like him too. You teach him about the knives yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> anyway, um, that's my topic. So, Erica, what what do what do ravens eat? 
Um, so this is kind of interesting. Um, ravens and crows and stuff, they'll, uh, they'll eat like a variety of things. They'll eat, um, fruits and seeds and insects. Um, I, there was a, a, an experience I had up in the Pacific Northwest with, um, what is it? Like a Pacific crow or something? What is up there in the Pacific Northwest? Now I have to Google it. It's like a subspecies of the American crow, or it could be its own species. You know, this is a question for Irby Webet. This is exactly what he does. <laughs> he just, he's the person who decides how many species there are. Okay, it's called the Northwestern crow. Yeah, it looks like it's, they've uh, elevated it to its own species, Corvus carinus. Um, but we, um, I saw this crow come over to a nearby campsite and like mess around with the moss on the ground. Um, this was when we were camping on the ocean, um, like in the forest right next to the ocean. So the crow left and I was like, what was so interesting to that crow? And I walked over and, um, I moved the moss aside and it was caching live shrimp in the ground under the moss and they were all like wriggling around in the moss so uh in natural you know ecosystems they do a lot of different things and i've seen them i've seen them like drop um mollusks from like high heights to to try and crack their crack their shells but basically if there's a food source they're smart enough to figure out how to get at it they'll eat anything they'll eat baby chicks of other birds they're really really good at eating other birds <laughs> <laughs> near me um there's one black walnut tree in a fancy uh house's yard uh-huh. uh and it overhangs the road and um last year i think i went and i was um collecting the black walnut husks uh to dye some wool uh and the crows were absolutely pissed they were like Excuse me, those are ours. Those are ours. Um, but what I did is I stepped on the black walnuts to free the nut, and then I just took the outside husk because that's the only part I wanted. Yeah. And then as soon as they saw me do that, they like understood, and then they were like appeased, and they were like, okay. And then they just like quietly followed me while I broke open all of these nuts for them. <laughs> yeah, there's um there's a gardening channel that I follow. It's a guy in Southern California and he um he keeps putting out like um food just for the crows and the crows bring him gifts. Um and they brought him like um something that he like had to look up what it was cuz he knew it was like a lipstick, but it wasn't it didn't look modern and it was a lipstick from the 1940s. Wow. Um, huh. Yeah. But they're they're smart enough to know when people are helping them, and they make like little trades and stuff. So they eat garbage because it's available sometimes. But um, if there's more nutritious stuff, um, or you know they're in like a real ecosystem, they just figure out what's there and they eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can do anything. <laughs> Listeners, right now at Costco, you can get a uh, ten pound bag of unsalted peanuts. Yeah. So. Yeah, go go uh have the crows harvest things from your neighbors' yards. I always wondered what why do they sell unsalted nuts? So you can give them to the crows. So you can give them to birds. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Or peanut yeah. tofu, either way. 
<laughs> My topic is itinerant filmmakers. Uh, I'd read specifically about Melton Barker, who... Melton Barker? Do you I know? hardly know her. <laughs> uh, who, from like the 30s to the 70s, for like a span of 30 or 40 years, uh, went from town to town recruiting children to be in a movie, the same movie every time, getting their parents to pay for it <laughs> and shooting the movie, which was like the story about like all the children in town foiling and attempted kidnapping and then having a talent show. <laughs> this sounds like the best plot ever. Like I would watch that over and over again. <laughs> I, there, I think there are at least several of these like, obviously, some are lost to time, uh-huh. but I'm pretty sure several of them are on YouTube. Please dig those up. I, I, it, it's like a, what an art form. Like, you know, everybody uh, tries to write amazing plots and amazing dialogue, but what if you just, like, sacrifice the plot and just tell the same story over and over and over again? It's like a, a Christmas carol or something like that. Like, everybody knows what to expect, but what do you get this time? How did they act it this time? Like, right. That could be the, the wave of the future. <laughs> so I'm, I pasted in, it looks to me, there's like 20 of these that you can just watch all of. Oh, and God. Uh, and it seem it seems like, you know, I don't, I don't think this was like a scam or anything like that. I think it was just like, wouldn't it be cool if all of the kids in town were in a movie together and everybody in good town got together to watch it? Wow, they started in 1936. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Incredible. Wow, he went for a while. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was in. It went through the late set or the early 70s. Wow, was when he retired. The the outfits are incredible. The young ones look like the little rascals for sure. Right. Yeah. The striped shirts and the little hats. Yeah, I was gonna say I love how many uh little kid with striped shirts there is. Yeah, well I'm I'm sure like the little rascals rascals were styled after actual kids of the time. Oh yeah, right, right. I wonder if they were styled after these kids. Like <laughs> was this person famous at all? I don't think so. How did you come across this? How do I come across anything? <laughs> I just read about, I I, I probably saw a link on social media and then clicked on it and then went down a rabbit hole about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was reminded of, um, do you remember the the Rebecca Black song, Friday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a similar origin story where like there's the guy who produced that song and this does have the feeling of a scam, but I don't know how like in on it the parents were, but like. That the parents of these kids would pay like two to four thousand dollars, and this guy would like write and produce a song that they and they could make a music video <laughs> uh, starring their child. And I, I presume like some of these parents were just like, yeah, it would be, it would be like, I, uh, this would be a nice Christmas present for our kid. Would be like, you could be in a music video, and probably some of them were like, they're really going to be a star, and this is their way to do it. That was that was Arc Music Factory, and I think they're defunct now, unfortunately. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's similar companies out there doing that though. We need more Rebecca Blacks in the world. She's like a a social media survivor, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I don't know if we actually want to produce deliberately more people like that, more people who have gone through that shit. 
Oh, yeah, I know. But but she seems to have some kind of wisdom about the world. Like she takes it in stride, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess part of that is just being a celebrity of any kind. But like mm-hmm. specifically, a, like a survivor of internet celebrity is not... Not desirable. Not, yeah. yeah, not it's not good for you. Yeah. But also just like stardom in general, not good for you. <laughs> it does feel like, I don't, I have no numbers for this or anything, but it does feel like kids are slightly more equipped now, like to handle um, the internet and like the, the sort of emotional swing of internet celebrity. Right. Like, I really appreciate the flow of like, Lil Nas X's career. Can you summarize that? <laughs> uh, he did um, that one song a lot. Uh, Old Town Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, and several other songs since, and he's continued to be successful. But the way that he was very just like kind of brazenly like, wow, this worked. And so I'm just going to release this song a lot <laughs> uh, with different people on it. <laughs> I only know it as a dance phenomenon, so this is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, he got, like, different celebrities and, like, popular musicians to, like, come in on it because it was so popular. And then, like, but continued to just be sort of very direct about that. And mm-hmm. was like, I'm just going to keep milking this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so these uh, these children in the... Uh... In the Milton Barker films or the Little Nas X of the 1930s and 40s? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like you're saying. <laughs> I don't think this would, like, do you think this would work now? No. No, because it's, I think because of the internet. I think you would have to write a new film each time for it to work. And the novelty of seeing your kid in film. Oh yeah, and also like you could you could just put the kid on YouTube, but the kid doesn't even want to be a movie star. The kid wants to be a, a let's player. But I don't think that this is a question of like will this work? Like the question is is this going on? Because like, you know, this guy was not presumably like famous in his own time for doing this, right? And it was just the fact that there's an archive of it. You know, everybody now basically has access to some kind of video recording device. I'm sure there are like there. There's gotta be yeah. There's gotta be like people out there who will like I will make your kid into a let's play star. Yeah, you know PR people or whatever. But 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 just like I'm sure that there are like very low budget filmmakers filming their towns, you know, just as a hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, are they making the same play over and over again? Like I don't know. Like, is that a kind of broken mind or is that something that people just fall into? (laughs) You know, because they run out of ideas or something. But it's just a question of, like, um, retrieval, I think. Not a question of, like, would this work? It's just a question of, like, how how would we find this if it were going on now? It's not going to be presented to us by any algorithm, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening and won't be popular in the future you know this could easily be like some you know bored panda website thing like guy makes the same play about his town's children for 20 years in a row it'll be like one of these little viral articles or something (laughs) yeah 
it it does feel like it has something in common with um bitmojis or things that that put you in a little cartoon or like oh, um yeah. Right. oh yeah like uh the lenza or whatever it is the the app that uses ai to paint you like the old masters yeah yeah it does feel like a like that in a certain way or the uh there was weird owl had like it was like a customized birthday greeting from weird owl <laughs> uh but it was mostly the same footage but then they had like good enough fast render oh, yeah. of like, like the, your the, name and balloons and things cameo that whole service that's yeah. basically just for that yeah and it, it does feel like a bit like that if you're not familiar listeners cameo is a if you go to i think what is it cameo.com let me see it, it's just, it's a website where you can pay famous people like ranging from not very famous people for cheap here's like under 25 dollars you can get uh kanye east who is a rapper <laughs> <laughs> you can get Rudy Giuliani to like to wish it. your fr- wish your friend happy birthday. When I was a kid, we had like little turntables, and my grandma sent me. Um, she sent me a little thing. I wish I could remember the words, but it was like a forty-five single record, and yeah. uh, it was like Happy Birthday, Erica. And so it's like a little spaceman singing like do 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 on your way to the moon do 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 and then I forget and then happy birthday to you Erica uh-huh. right <laughs> and they just like changed that one thing so that was right, like right. The, the cameo of uh you know the 1980s <laughs> yeah yeah or so here's another one for you can get Lindsay Lohan to wish your friend a happy Ooh. birthday for four hundred dollars wow uh, and like they will presumably talk about whatever you ask them to here's some example like you can click on examples to see what they will do and it, these are all like just phone recordings they're like 10 seconds long can uh, build a whole arg out of this I think I uh, bet you could yeah yeah yeah, actually, th- this is giving me an idea for a mystery hunt puzzle now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you can get uh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, actually famous people. You can get Malcolm McDowell for $100. How about Brent Spiner? <laughs> the first time I saw these, I I did think that, like, I was like, what if you just, like, uh, secretly made a movie, you know, by, like, yeah. By just paying them to say lines. They do charge more if it's a commercial venture, but if it's just a hobby. It looks like Brent Spiner is 300 bucks for a personal video, 5000 for a business video. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did see on social media the twins who are like assassins in Breaking Bad. They One of them undercut the other by like $400. <laughs> 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 well, only one of them is an actual, actually an actor. So the other one will just be like, they'll just stare, glare at the camera. Only one of them is an actor? Like, well, only one of them is like a good enough actor to have lines. Wow. Are they genetically uh, identical? Because then you could just... You, you know. just have two changes of suit. And they're <laughs> one, of them, one of them uses a mirror, so it looks like there's two of them. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes is also $300. Wow, he yeah. thinks very highly of himself, I guess, compared to <laughs> Brent Spiner. <laughs> which one do you think is the one? Because one of them is $500, and the other is $99. And, like, <laughs> which one's the the actor? 
the better actor. Yeah, that's really funny though. That is extremely funny that you can that that they're so different in price. Yeah. I it's also like um one of them the promo picture is him just standing uh with the uh Breaking Bad logo behind him. Mm-hmm. And the other is uh him uh pointing a gun at the camera. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't have to pay people to do that here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they'll do it for free <laughs> oh this is odd I actually searched for Breaking Bad on Cameo to try to find the people you were talking about uh-huh. Walter White is on the list like he comes up as a search result uh-huh. <laughs> just the character but then if you click on it it's a 404 error so like I don't know if that's a is that a joke I'm guessing it was like someone who put it and then it got flagged and deleted right yeah so in the 80s uh too short before he was famous would he had this hustle where he would he became like locally famous in the bay area in oakland and if you met him on the street you could tell him uh your name and the make and color of your car and give him twenty dollars he would go record a custom rap song about you (laughs) Wow! Oh man! And 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 be back like in an hour with That's your t- with your custom tape. And I I was when I found out about this, I was desperate to like find any. Are there any of these on YouTube? Someone must have saved their too short custom rap tape, <laughs> but I can't find it. Oh man! I should do that. Yeah, uh, I would. I would pay songs? you twenty bucks for that. Would you, Jim, you should make game. You should stand on the corner. <laughs> yes. And then uh, oh. you give, people give you the make of their car uh, and their, their name. And then you go away for an hour and yeah. you make a game. I'll put you, them. I'll put you in biker chicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. For this topic, we're going to be reading the poem Meditation on Capitalism. I don't know who the author is, but I'm hoping to find it before this episode goes live. So look in the show notes to see if I found out the author. Yeah, I did a, I did a reverse image search and it came up, uh, since it's like in code form, uh, it came up with all kinds of other code. <laughs> Good. Perfect. <laughs> it's It should be Meditation on Capitalism, Yeah. I think. But yeah, it says, it says mediation. It said mediation on capitalism, <laughs> which is funny. I appreciate that. Five, rem set text mode. Six, text. Ten, print hello. Twenty, print think of an Amazon product. Twenty-one, rem what is the product. Twenty-two, input what is it semicolon product string. Thirty, print think of the contours of the plus product string. 31. Rem print product string. 40. Print meditate on this for 20 seconds. 50. Let x equals 0, colon, rem loop to pause for a moment. 55. x equals x plus 1. 65. If x equals 5,000, go to 80. 21. Rather, 71. What a nonsensical program that would be. (laughs) 71. Go to 55. 72. Let R equals 1. 
80, print the product string, rather the plus product string plus of the world, thank you. And the, the photo is cut off there. So I think it's thank you. And that's, I think that's the end of it. 90, print namaste. Jim, am I supposed to be running this in my head? Like, is this a program <laughs> for me to run of my mind? I think so. I think you're supposed to um, either, you know, if not if not run the program, then at least basically understand what's happening just from the text of it. I think when you read it out loud, I definitely understood it better than when I read it myself. Uh-huh. Do you want to trust uh, the audience or do you want to describe what's happening? <laughs> oh, I mean, this, so this is a program. It... It uh, prints an introductory introductory string, like, hello, think of an Amazon product. What is it? And then you type in the name of the product, and it says, think of the contours of the, and then it says the product name. Meditate on this for 20 seconds. And then there's a delay loop where the program just does a busy loop for some amount of time, probably not exactly 20 seconds. Uh, And then it says the, and then the product you typed in of the world, thank you. Namaste. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It's very uh, Mad Men. Spoilers for <laughs> Mad Men. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched Mad Men. I just know the spoilers. <laughs> I like it. It's very, it's very clever. It's like um, functionalizing how products interact with you in the world. By they, they, they want to be thought of. Well, yeah, it's kind of like um, you with your brain think of something you need and you go maybe to Amazon and you go get it. And yeah. then you think about it for a second and you press buy, you know. But that, but on the flip side, like how does the product want to be interacted with? Well, it, it's like just basically a piece of code, right? So it's like, you know, oh, you're thinking about me, you know. Thank you. The light in me recognizes the light of y- in you. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's some kind of like um, recognition from the computer program that represents some product. You know, right? That's how I'm interpreting it. I'm I'm fixating on the specifics of the implementation of the program. Uh-huh. Like the choice of line numbers is interesting. Yeah, right. Like one of the things I like about line numbers in basic versions of basic that have line numbers is that they give away like how the program was built Uh because usually people will increment like as they're writing the program they'll increment the line numbers by 10 to leave space between the between your lines in case you Mm -hmm. need to insert something Mm -hmm. um and so you can like see like well probably first they wrote all the lines that end in zero Mm -hmm. and then they went back and added lines that the added lines between those and they also but they also like don't have a line 60 or 70 at all so they deleted those lines but then you also have like line 72 let r equals one r is the only lowercase in the entire poem right and also that line doesn't is not functional like it doesn't it's never executed oh yeah the the variable r is never referenced so like it's just it's just there it's just kind of like an appendix yeah it's not very it's not very efficient code and i'm wondering like is this does is this meaningful somehow? Like, is this? In- Can you explain to me what rem is? Uh, rem is a co- code comment. It, it stands for remark. Oh, okay, okay, I see. 
So that's that's code that is not executed by the by the interpreter. That is just for the person reading the program. So wait, twenty think of an Amazon print think of an Amazon product twenty one rem what is the product twenty two input what is it product string you know yes yes and like it it sort of has like an urgency about it you know it's not twenty twenty five twenty seven thirty it's uh it's twenty twenty one twenty two thirty. Yeah, yeah. That that is yeah. That is odd. That is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get the let r equals one. It might be kind of like let's do something with that information, and then in eighty, it's like oh, the products of the world. Thank you. Print namaste. Right, and it could be that like there is extra code after the. The the page cuts the photo cuts off that that do something with the R and it'll be, it'll forever be a mystery. This is like a photo of either a printout or a book or something. Yeah, I have two um, guesses slash uh, uh-huh. things that this reminds me of. I you can see at the top uh, the text from the other side of the page. Yeah, yeah, and it says uh, create a game of pong. For a singular or... Single player? Single... Single user or... User or... Make... Yeah, well, so this is... We're having trouble reading it because this is now behind the other title. Yeah, um, my guess... Okay, so there's a book called Do It... Uh, which is very hard to find, uh, and copies are like two thousand dollars or Whoa. some bullshit. But it is uh, a work of curation, meaning like the it is an anthology that was curated, where each artist did uh, a work in this book, and it's by this guy who's um, like a big art curator, and I'm trying to remember his name right now. Um, but uh, it's uh do-it-yourself art by famous artists and it's just instructional art uh which is kind of a genre Uh um and so there's one by a a professor i had had a copy of this and gave us an assignment from it um but there's uh one by like david lynch in there uh the instructions are like uh find 25 identical objects and lay them out in a five by five grid, labeling each one with a name tag. They are all named Jimmy. <laughs> and I am trying to find any pages from this thing. <laughs> oh no. What 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 is that? Oh no. Uh Jim's computer crashed. Oh no. I hope it saved his audio. I hope it saved his audio. <laughs> What are we going to do if it doesn't save his audio? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> he's got too much stuff going on his computer. He's uh, He's got to make smaller games only on Pico 8. <laughs> uh, Hans Ulrich Olbrist. Hans Ulrich Olbrist. Oh, Jim's got the same problem I do. I, I was going to announce at the beginning of Topic Lords that my the computer that I'm casting on is like... A, you know, crashed too many times, and when you opened it up, it's uh, the battery is puffy. And just to add like a little bit of spice and danger to the podcast, but Jim's computer is uncomfortably hot to the touch. 
What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> okay, maybe we should close out the show. Yeah. Um, how do how do we do it? Okay, uh, Erica, if this is something you want, uh, <laughs> how can people find you on the internet? Um, I am in the Topic Lords Discord. Um, oh, I- also, do you have any... Wait, no. Yes, I'm sorry. I fucked it up. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, Max, if this is something you want, where can people find you on the internet? I am also on the Topic Lords Discord. You can also uh, hire me to uh, do various things on the app TaskRabbit. Yeah. Probably just for Seattle. Or you can fly Max to the Permian Basin to teach your students how to repair microscopes, which is totally fun and maybe a topic for a future time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. If you fly me out, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> Even the Permian Basin. Even the Permian Basin. (laughs) All right, that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. See you Uh, next time. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jim, and this is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. If you want to support Topic Lords, you can support us on Patreon, or you can do... Or you can rate and review us on um, the podcast whatever podcast service, of your service you use. <laughs> um, I this edit this episode was edited by, uh, Esper, by Esper Quinn, Quinn, who can uh, edit your audio if you hire them. Yeah, on Twitter on, or, or something. Contact Jim <laughs> or contact Jim. See you next time. See you next time. Ha 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 ha